0: And that's what Jesus did whenever he ventured east. After he went to Egypt and he came back and he was being a rabbi, he's like, there's something more. I feel the spirit calling me east. And he went. And thousands of years later, gurus still talk about Saint Issa of Israel, who they know as Jesus the Christ. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad podcast and YouTube channel. My name's Luke, and today we are going to continue with this Gospel of the Holy 12 series. Uh, We're only in Lection 6, by the way. Uh, We are barely into this whole thing, and uh, obviously, I don't think we're going to be able to cover every little element throughout the whole Gospel of the Holy 12. I don't know, maybe we could, but... uh, We're gonna just probably get through this Lection 6 and then see where we stand as far as topics go, but nonetheless, we're gonna continue on today. Really quick, if you're unfamiliar with what the Gospel of the Holy 12 is, click this link up here and become familiar with what this document actually is, where did this Gospel come from, and uh, really see some of the validity that is a possibility for this Gospel. Uh, And then also look at some of the other previous episodes. Uh, We did talk about some of the things in earlier lections. We did talk about in lection two about the immaculate conception of Jesus from Mary and Joseph. And so if you're curious about that, about God ordaining premarital sex, uh, you can click the link and watch that previous video. We uh, talked about a few other things. We skipped over uh, some of the John the Baptist things. Um, some of the Magi and Jesus' birth, uh, really because some of the fun, juicy stuff starts to happen in Lection 6. Some of the extremely controversial things happen in Lection 6. There's always some nuanced controversy, but there is distinct controversy <laughs> in this Lection. So I thought, I ah, might as well just cannonball into the deep end. You know what I mean? So uh, we've had a bunch of fun. Uh, talks over these past couple months, and today we are going to continue that with some of the more uh, famous uh, controversies, quote unquote, if you will, um, about Jesus in the lost years. Where was Jesus after he was left in Jerusalem and his parents came back to find him, and uh, we see that Jesus was teaching the teachers of the law at the time, only at age 12, and then his parents got him, and he says, don't you know I should be in my father's house? and the only real information that we get in the canonical gospels is that jesus then grew in wisdom and stature with god and man and that's about that and so that leaves a lot of room for what happens and what that even means what does that even mean that jesus grew in wisdom and stature well there's a lot of other writings that capture some of what happened in those lost years of jesus we've already been talking about those in some of the other videos so i'm not going to them now Uh, The possibility of Jesus even being a widower, um, Jesus going back to Egypt, Jesus doing these things, but one one element, one subject of the lost years of Jesus tends to be pretty talked about, and that is the possibility of Jesus going to India, going to the Far East. There's rumors of Jesus that he went to Japan. There's rumors of Jesus that he went to Britain. There's rumors of Jesus that he went all throughout the Mediterranean. Uh, There's all sorts of rumors about Jesus. There's rumors that he came to uh, America, uh, to the Americas, both North and South. There's all sorts of rumors, but there's actually some tangible information about Jesus going to India and the Far East. I don't know. And I'll just be honest, I don't know how much actual tangible evidence there is uh, for Jesus going to Britain or some of these other places. I know that in Japan, they actually have an, a place that where Jesus resurrected. Apparently he went to go live the rest of his life. There's a whole area there spacing the name. Uh, but if you search about the lost years of Jesus, you can find in Japan there's this place where there's even still his burial site for where he died and then a second time. Um, and so there is, that's more legend than anything else. Uh, as far as writing goes and us being in the West and we come from this very Greco-Roman background where we want things to be written in books to qualify them as true, uh, there is more things written down and preserved about this idea of Jesus going to India, going to Persia, even going to Tibet. And so uh, what I wanna talk about today is where it mentions it in the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Does the Gospel of the Holy Twelve say anything about Jesus going to India? And it does. So that's what we're gonna be covering today. I did a video about Jesus going to India years ago. You can find that up here if you wanna look at it. Uh, I have a, a funky mustache and, uh, you know, whatever. This was years ago in my previous apartment. And I did it on a lunch break from an insurance job that I was working. And uh, yeah, so go watch that video if you want some more information about the gospel. I mean, I'm sorry, about the lost years of Jesus going to India, Uh, because today we're gonna hit a little bit different nuance than what I did three or four years ago when I made that video. So let's read from the Gospel of the Holy 12 and get started, shall we? So just to bring you up to speed, the verses right before it, verses 12, this talks about what Jesus was doing for these seven years whenever he ventured to Egypt. Again, Jesus uh, had to flee to Egypt uh, because Herod was killing all the children. We have that in our canonical gospels. Jesus develops a probably a, a very intimate connection with this land because where you grow up, you always have memories of that, right? If you've ever lived somewhere and then moved away, there's always a sort of sentimental value to where you lived as a child friends that you had, things that you did, just cycles of life, rhythms of life, that becomes nostalgic to you in a way. And I think that's probably why Jesus first ventured back to Egypt. Egypt is so spiritually rich and dense. It has more of the esoteric tradition for us in the West. And Jesus would eventually impact the West. He'd be the guru for the Western world. Uh, So it makes sense that he would first revisit Egypt. After revisiting Egypt, he comes back to Jerusalem, and he is a rabbi uh, in Jerusalem. Um, he returned to Nazareth to visit his parents, and he taught there in Nazareth and in Jerusalem as an accepted rabbi. <clears throat> that was from the last video, and uh, no none hindered him; none really gave him a hard time or anything. But apparently, that wasn't enough for Jesus, and I can resonate so much with Jesus in this. It's like. You get to a particular place that you've been longing for, you've been visioning, you've been desiring, and then you get there and you're like, this is beautiful, but I know there's even more. And that's the sweet journey of life, I think, just if I can insert this, is that we never have to always be, uh, we can be content rather, but always be Yearning for more, desiring for more. It's this paradox that can happen that we are completely content, we are completely full, we are completely enough, we completely feel this sense of complete union and oneness and gratitude for everything that is, and also still be seeking and searching and pushing the envelope and walking into more abundance and walking into more fullness even that's a paradox that can't happen wanting to move into more or knowing that there's more and exploring and searching and becoming is not always just from a place of lack you can certainly do that from a place of lack but it's different whenever you hit that from a place of already full, of already abundant. It's like things begin to unlock and opportunities begin to come and multiply even more in your life. So the first step is to be grateful and to be content with who you are and the fullness of who you are, all while still from that place, pressing into and pressing more towards and opening yourself up to even greater possibility than what is the current reality. And that's what happens with Jesus because he learns all of the law. He becomes a rabbi. That seems to not be quite enough for him. He goes to Egypt to learn more for seven years. He learns all of these far out things, learns even about astrology. He learns about sacred geometry. He has... uh, Encounters face to face with God, he learns the power and the mysteries, uh, and the transfu- transmutation of things. He learns all of this stuff. He comes back and he tries to just get that regular job on staff at the uh, at the at the temple. And over some time, Jesus potentially becomes maybe a little restless. I don't know. This is just me assuming what I would feel into that. He teaches people for a time and nobody bothers him, but he has that urge in that sense that there's still even more than what he has learned from his native Hebrew tradition and from that of the Egyptians. And so what does he do? This brings us to verse 13. Uh, after a time, so he does this for a while. He's a rabbi for a while. After a time, he went into Assyria and India and into Persia and into the land of the Chaldeans. And he visited their temples and conversed with their priests and their wise men for many years, doing many wonderful works, healing the sick as he passed through their countries. Now, as I said in this other video from years ago, there is records of Jesus, uh, but he wasn't referenced as Jesus, it was Saint Issa. So, you can read about this in many different places. There is oral tradition uh, in the East as well as written documentation about Saint Issa from Israel. And this legend about Saint Issa from Israel came and gave the fullness of the gifts of the universe through him. So, he would heal the sick as he passed through their countries, he would do miraculous things. And this is recorded, and this is found, this was actually found in the 1800s, a document that was ancient that talked about Saint Issa of Israel. Even more, uh, Yogananda talks about Saint Issa in his book. Uh, let's see, I have it right here. If you've ever read this, The Yoga of Jesus, uh, Yogananda talks about Saint Issa of Israel as well. Uh, referencing some of these ancient documents. Actually, in India, there is an incredible tradition around Jesus. And I think that it's important to note that it has been a tradition in India to recognize Jesus as a fully realized being, because they don't realize, they don't take into account other figures. Uh, They don't have Moses, you know, around. They don't have these other figures around. They don't have Thoth from Egypt, you know. They don't have these Figures. They have Jesus, the Christ, though, as uh, as in murals and paintings and art and literature, even maybe not the sacred literature like the Gita or anything, but in later writings. And it's because it could be because Jesus actually visited that place. And again, it's important to note, because if you've noticed, a lot of gurus will talk about Jesus a lot, even Maharaji, uh, Niam Karoli Baba, Ram Das Guru, Bhagavan Das Guru, Krishna Das's guru, uh, he talks about Jesus so much. And I remember listening to Krishna Das one time saying all of us kids came from New York and California, trekked all the way across to the other side of the world only to sit in a monastery to listen to this Indian uh, guru tell us about Jesus the very thing that we keep trying to escape from in America. And, uh, he completely flipped upside down their ideas and their preconceived notions of who Jesus was and his life, his incarnation and his purpose. And I think that's beautiful. And I think it's interesting again, to note that this isn't just the guru trying to be relevant to Westerners. I don't think that that's the case. Some people say that, oh, Yogananda, he just is into Jesus because he's trying to be relevant to Westerners. I've seen that a lot. Or Maharaji knew that all of these Westerners were coming, and so he was referencing Christ a lot just because that was an image or an avatar they're familiar with. And maybe that's true, but I choose to believe that's not true. I choose to believe that it is so important that Jesus came through India and influenced and impacted India, but also gained wisdom from the mysticism of India, from the religion, uh, and from the traditions of India. Jesus, it was a like any good relationship. It was symbiotic. It was both giving and receiving. And I think Jesus received incredible wisdom and gave incredible wisdom to those people. And so I believe that these gurus aren't just referencing Jesus to be relevant to Westerners they actually see the realization of the eternal Christ manifest in the person of Jesus and that person of Jesus actually walked their land talked to their wise men conversed with their priests and gave them the gift that he had and received from them the gifts that they had And so the gospel of the Holy 12 affirms some of these notions saying that once again, after he was a rabbi for a while in Jerusalem, that, uh, that burning itch that we feel to go explore an adventure. I'm Enneagram seven. So I feel that super hard. Uh, after a time he went into Assyria and to India and Persia and the land of the Chaldeans, um, and conversed with their priests, their wise men for many years, doing many wonderful works and healing the sick. I already read that, but I digress. The point being is, is that the gospel of the Holy 12, just to reference again, it's validity. The gospel of the Holy 12 was likely written by John. It was likely written by the beloved, uh, apostle. And it was given to one of his disciples and taken to Tibet where it was preserved for almost 2000 years. And it makes complete sense to me why this would be marginalized. It would make complete sense to me why they wouldn't want us to know this because it serves the purposes of the greater institution to be uniquely nuanced and cut off from the other. The way that you build an organization or an institution is to have an other. And so if we see that our avatar, that our person, our messiah is running off to Egypt and running off to India and all these places, for some reason just human nature and reactionist uh sort of mentality we think that it somehow dilutes the full realization of god and jesus we think that it somehow uh, makes it staticky uh, thinking that jesus could learn from any other source than that of the hebrew tradition the jewish tradition and i would say that that is such preservation mindset and small mindset to not give uh, Jesus this more grand and vast reality that not only is he bigger than his own tradition, that he actually goes to learn from other traditions because he's so certain in his own tradition and story and myth and narrative. And I would say that for us today. Uh, As many of you know, if you don't know, now you will. Uh, I was a pastor for many years. I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. I became a pastor. I've been a church planter. I am a spiritual nomad now. Um, But the reality is, I still love Christ. That's why I'm still talking about him. That's why I'm still making these videos that encourage us to look at Jesus through a much wider, bigger lens. Again, if these aren't true, fine, they're not true. I don't really care if they're true or not true. I think they're valid. I think there's some merit to it. Uh, I don't have my head in the sand about it. Makes sense why, uh, you know, the Vatican would not want this information out because it completely contradicts what we have indoctrinated people with. But I still have an affinity for Jesus. I love Jesus. I think that Jesus transcended death. I think that he exists in this space of the fifth dimension and I think that he can still be accessed and I feel his presence even now. And I think that The incarnation of Jesus has blessed so many people and it's been hijacked uh, by dogma and doctrine. And I hope that what we can do is is that we can see our own tradition of Christianity as something that is so beautiful that we don't have to white knuckle it, that it's so beautiful and true and the incarnation of Jesus is so beautiful and true that we don't have to be worried or scared about learning from any other place because all things are working together for good. There is one divine, there is one God that is over all, in all, through all. And all of these narratives, all of these myths, all of these incarnations, all of these stories are working together to reveal the beautiful, vast array of color and and shade and of shape that is the divine. And so Jesus is one of those. It's the one that I resonate most with. And it's the one that i follow the path that i follow but i still love to learn from all of these other traditions and i love i read the Tao uh, more than the bible i read the Tao. Uh, i read the gita you know I, I read the emerald tablets you know i read the egyptian book of the dead i have all of these things that are so important i read you know the sutras i, I love all of this stuff and i'm so confident in my connection to the incarnation of jesus that transcends physical reality that i think that i see it all coming together and i say that tangent to say i think jesus was the same way in his body he wasn't scared of the egyptians he didn't see them as other He embraced it. He learned from it what he could. He imparted his wisdom and soaked in their wisdom. He went to Persia. He went to India. He went to all of these places and conversed with their priests and wise men because he didn't see the other as enemy. Hmm. Sit with that for a moment. He did not see the other as enemy. He saw the other as friend, he saw the other as companion he saw the other as having a wisdom that he could glean from to greater refine and define the wisdom that exists within him. And he gave his wisdom freely and purely to others and received freely and purely from others. And so he was not scared of the other. He loved the other. And the reality is when this information got into the hands of the institution and the religious elites, the reality is they don't love the other. They hate the other. They have to have the other to define themselves as what they're against, not what they are for. And Jesus was all about union with the father. That was his language union with the father. In India, we would say this is the reality of the Atman and Brahman being one. Atman is Brahman. Brahman is Atman. This is the reality. We see the two as separate, but the core and the crux of the whole thing is to see that line completely dissolve into oneness. Jesus had the same thing when he talked about him and the father. I can only see what my father in heaven is doing But he prays in John 17 that we would be one as he is one, that that line would dissolve and the union that we have with the divine would be realized through the incarnation of us. And this matches all of the teachings throughout different traditions around the world. That we see God in all of creation. Paul even talks about this in Romans that we see all of these things as beautiful, as evidence of our nature in God, expressing God's self through us and as us. And we can learn from all of these other traditions with curiosity, without fear. We can learn from all of these traditions as ways to continue to move into the manifestations of who we actually are at the core essence of our being. And Jesus knew that. He knew that. And he walked into these foreign lands with confidence knowing there's beauty waiting for him, not condemnation. There is greatness that is happening through the seeking out of other traditions and interpretations of the eternal. There is nothing to be scared of. So, I leave you with that today. We see Jesus as a part of the lost years, that he goes to these foreign lands and he goes to these temples, he meets with these priests, he meets with these wise men, and he gets from them and gives to them. I don't like that word, gets. He receives the gift from them and imparts the gift of him to them as well. And this beautiful relationship that now thousands of years later, gurus are still referencing Jesus the Christ in their own native tongue and tradition because likely he actually went there. He actually went there and had an impact. One last thought, being in flesh and blood somewhere, the energy, the aura that we walk with, everything that we carry, it's important to do things in person. If people just heard of Jesus in a distant land, it wouldn't have had the impact as Jesus actually going to their land. People were witnesses of the fullness of Christ in Jesus by being with him in flesh and blood. That he actually took the trek, the difficult trek along the merchant trade route to India, which by the way, was very normal to caravan to the Middle East over to the Far East. This is not something that was like he was just walking up and down you know, mountains through the wilderness by himself trying to figure it out. This was normal trade route stuff. You could jump on with a band of gypsies and get to India. If you look on a map, India's not all that far from Israel. I mean, okay, it's a little far, but it's not like you know he crossed over these, not like he came to California or anything. The point being is is that flesh and blood in-person incarnation will make an impact for generations. And that's why this is important. But it's important for us to actually in-person learn from others who have gifts to impart and impart our gifts to them. That we actually have this energy that's around us, that when we're in the field of each other, we can feel it. That's why we say that's a vibe. We feel the vibrations coming from people we give off the vibration of the beauty that is us. And Jesus actually physically went to these places and imparted not only his wisdom through thought and deed, through his miraculous miracles, but by his sheer presence in the aura that was with him. So it's important for us to remember that if we want something to be lasting, if we want to make an impact, if we want to actually learn in ways that are meaningful and that are lasting, we do these things in person nothing will ever touch that or match that we have to actually get out of our own comfort zones sometimes and engage with these people with an assumption of optimism that there's something here for me and that's what jesus did whenever he ventured east after he went to egypt and he came back and he was being a rabbi he's like there's something more i feel the spirit calling me east And he went, and thousands of years later, gurus still talk about Saint Issa of Israel, who they know as Jesus the Christ. Incredible, well, peace and blessings everyone, and uh, be sure to subscribe, share this episode, Uh, you know, catch up on past episodes about the Gospel of the Holy Twelve, and we'll keep going through the lection uh, six of the Gospel of the Holy Twelve and uh, figure out some more things at a later date. Uh, Follow on Instagram too, TikTok, on all that stuff as well. Peace and blessings. Have a wonderful week.